We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Sean, we have a lot of questions. We're going to get through these as fast as we can because there's a lot. So we had a super chat. That was from Sean S. Sean, thank you so much for the super chat. Can you explain why kicker recruiting isn't emphasized, i.e., why are there no five-star kickers? Kind of seems like luck of the draw recruiting kickers, traditional players recruiting. Thanks, guys. So, Sean, I I know I've actually talked to – a buddy of mine played – he was a long snapper at Rhode Island. So I actually talked to him before about like – because specialist recruitment is a lot different, and it is. And Sean's correct about this. It's it's a little odd. So there are most services – I forget if it's the sailor kick – I forget what the service is for, for, um, for high school recruiting because I'll be very honest. I don't spend a whole lot of time on kicker recruiting. I don't. Specialist recruiting. I don't. Be honest about it, right? They do like a six-star rating or something like that, man. So I know that there's a couple companies that are kind of the main sources of getting specialists out there to colleges, and they have a couple different rating systems. And I I go to usually a couple people behind the scenes there and kind of get their insight on it. And it's just – I don't know enough about it, if I'm being honest. So I don't know if you have any more insight into it, Sean. All I'll say is there's a couple different systems for rating kickers, and I think it is a little bit of a crapshoot, if I'm being honest. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
I wasn't actually. Uh, I was actually watching the high school championship uh, in Illinois on Friday and Saturday, and just watching how many really good kickers there were in Illinois. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, oh, this kid from Batavia is hitting like 50 yards. Like, oh, that's wild. I knew the kid from Loyola Academy was good. And then I see this other kid from Lincoln Way East. And you see, it, it has to be such an advantage, right? To have a kicker like that in high school, right? Because back in the day, Ryan, you know, you went for two every time. Or you <laughs> went on four down every time. It's like, it's Sean, I run, my, my, my junior year, we had a kicker that went 17 out of 22 on extra points. And we thought that was amazing, man. <laughs> like, who kickers, dude? Stop. Who cares? That's dude. <laughs> That's crazy. So this website was something that someone pointed out to me back in the day. It's called ProKickers.com. And they actually break like long snappers and kickers down by state. So, yeah, like you said, it is a different world. But like normally back in the day, most of the kickers would come from like certain states. Like a lot of kickers would come from California. A lot of them would come from Texas or like wherever soccer was big. And now I think, you know, a lot of people going, you know, then you had the Australian phase of mm-hmm. kicking that came through um, college football. So it's different now. Illinois has a really good crop, though, in the next two years. So. Yeah, I saw someone said that their son was a kicker in high school and they did the Coles kicking. I, that's one that I – Forgot in my mind, if I'm being honest. I've seen it before, but yeah, they, yeah. I mean, it's Sean. I mean, a lot of the punters now are, you know, just Aussies, right? So you're going over to Australia now to get a lot of the kickers. I mean, a lot of the punters. So it's, uh, it's interesting. But uh, sorry, Sean, if that wasn't fully a lot of good information, but, you know, kicking can be a wild type of thing. So it's, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But appreciate the super chat. All right, so Sean Green asked Sean, he said, non-Notre Dame-related question, but just wondering, after early signing day, who do you think ends up with a better class, Florida or Miami? It's an interesting one. So I was looking this one up because he actually popped this in before the chat a little bit, Sean. So I have have an interesting take on this, I think. I have an interesting take. Who do I think is going to be ranked higher, Sean? I think Miami will still be slightly ranked higher. I do. Just looking at kind of where they're sitting, who are a couple of players on the board. Because right now, if we're talking about – I'm trying to pull it back up. But I know – I believe Miami was ranked number 10 in the 247 composite, if I remember correctly. I'm trying to bring it back up now. But I know they were ranked – I think they were ranked number 10. And Florida right now is ranked number – Eight. Okay. So ultimately, I think actually Miami is going to end with the hot with the higher one out of Florida versus Miami when it when the signing day comes past. But I would argue now that Florida has Jaden Rashada in the class, quarterback, talented player, that I think they have a more well-balanced recruiting ranking. I mean recruiting class overall. And I know there's look, there's Jaden Rashada is a very volatile player, Sean. I'm sure you've seen him a little bit, but he's a very volatile player. There's some up and down performances, but that kid's talented, man. If they if Florida's able to develop him properly, which is a question mark, sure. 
But I think that they end up with the better class, but I do think that maybe Miami ends up with the higher ranked class, if that makes sense. So we talk about it all the time, right? The number that you put on a class in some of these recruiting services, I don't think matters as much as how the class fits together. And I do think the quarterback position for Florida potentially maybe puts it over Miami for me. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. That's just kind well, of I agree with that. that. And yeah. Jay Rashada going to Florida is actually right in line, right? That's that's a level of comfort considering the young man that they are developing right now. So if you're mm-hmm. Jay Rashada, you kind of see yourself and you say, okay, I see the way they're developing Richardson. This coaching staff, I'm comfortable with the way they're doing that. And that's not to say he's anywhere near the physical tools of Richardson. It's like, yeah, that dude, some throws he made the other night against Florida State was just like, I'm talking about some of his incompletions were like ridiculous. Sean, I put I posted the um there was one dropped pass in that game and I retweeted I'm just like this is why I don't look at box scores because if you watch the game, yeah, there were some misses from Richardson, no doubt, but there were some throws that just the wide receivers did not pull it in, man. Yeah. He's a talented kid. Talented, talented kid. It's like if you're a good coach, you don't worry about that. Just say get him into our building. Yes. We'll yep. figure it out. If, <laughs> if if you trust your coaching staff, you mm-hmm. still draft that kid high and you say yeah. we'll figure it out. That's how Josh Allen Allen happened, yeah. right? Like that's how yeah. you, you believed in the coaches and the coaches got the best out of him. And I, I believe in Anthony Richardson's talent. There's no doubt. Is he ready to start day one in the NFL? No, he's not. But if you believe in your coaching staff and they can develop talents, Anthony Richardson could be a dynamic football player on the next level. But we'll see. I, I would agree with your assessment. Mm-hmm. I would agree with your assessment. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. We're going to go now. Sean Rogers, a lot of Sean's in the show today. Ryan, are there any high ceiling t- Viper type DNs we could flip? So I just want to knock this one out real quick, Sean. I don't think that Notre Dame is going to end with a true Viper in this class for 2023. I think that they'll be active in the transfer portal to kind of supplement the Viper conversation, Sean. But I think that they are pretty comfortable with what they have on the roster as far as Aiden Gabira, Joshua Burnham. Jordan Batelho, you know, like those types of players, I think that they're pretty happy with. But I think they'll look to add more depth at that position in the portal. So I think 2024, Viper's going to be a high priority. But unfortunately, I just don't think they're going to get a guy. They, they've they been active. They've been trying to talk to some guys. But I just don't think there's a fit and interest enough to make sense for them right now, right? Like, I, I just don't see that. So I, I don't think they end up with a Viper in the class. But I do think there's a couple guys, Sean. I'm going to come out with an article about this. But, like, if Preston Zinter ended up being a Viper deadline, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. So I, I think there's a couple of guys in this class that still could fill that role, but there's no true Viper right now in the 2023 class. So it's, it is a position that they're not really going to hit, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Let us move on now. And I know someone just said again, you know, could Maris play Viper? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think he could. I think he could. So I think there's options on the on the, on the the roster right now. So – Next question, Ryan Loftus. Ryan, I'm not going to go super in-depth on this one, but you're a very active member of IB Nation, so I will pull it up. Serious question, which transfer portal quarterback would you most like at Notre Dame? So the only reason I'm deferring to this, Ryan, is because there's still a lot of quarterbacks that I expect to hit the portal that have not hit the portal yet. So I would rather answer this question after the season, after the portal is up and going, after schools are really doing that due diligence, then we can have this conversation because there's a couple of guys 
that have just entered, right? Like Jeff Sims entered from Georgia Tech today. Cade McNamara entered from, from Michigan today. There's guys that are starting to trickle in to the transfer portal, but there's a lot of more guys I expect to be in the portal in a couple weeks here. I do. So let's hold this conversation, not because not because I have any inside info, not because there's intel, like there's no, none of that, I promise. It's just I would rather not speak on players that are not in the portal right now. Because I'll tell you this, there's a couple guys that, that I'm hearing that are rumored to be entering the portal that if I was Notre Dame, I would have serious interest in. But I'd rather not speak on those guys until they are officially in the portal. So, but we can talk about guys if you guys want. I think there's a question about like, Jeff Sims in here. There's definitely a question about Kate McNamara at some point. People wanted to know. We could talk about those guys because they're in the portal, right? There are options out there. They are. But as of right now, I don't think that the best options, I don't think the best options for Notre Dame, in my opinion, are yet in the portal, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. We'll just keep it there for now. But I appreciate the question, Ryan. Do appreciate it. Great name, by the way. Great name. Man, I, I, <laughs> Ryan's are great people. <laughs> and uh, Nick P., what are we getting for Christmas? Nick, you're getting so much great recruiting intel and team intel on BoardsideOfSpeakTown.com. Go sign up today. This is a fascinating question. I hope Sean gets back in a second here. Robert Bishop asks, who does Stanford turn to now? So everyone obviously saw the news yesterday. We're recording here, obviously, on a Monday. Yesterday, it came known or over the weekend it came known that David Shaw is now out of Stanford. So this is an interesting one, folks. It's an interesting one because this, we've talked about this a ton, right? Stanford's been on the downtrend over the last few years. They've not been the same. Early on in David Shaw's tenure, I mean, he's a guy that's been rumored for every big head coaching job, both college football and NFL alike, with the job that he did early on in his career at Stanford. I think he was there for 16 years. Right. So he's been there a long time, or not 16 years. I forget what the number was, but he's been there a long time. I think 16 years total as a coach, as a head coach. I forget what the number was. But look, did, did he deserve to be let go or did he deserve to be, you know, to have a resignation? I don't think that he's had great success in recent years, but I do think that he's he's been handicapped a little bit by how Stanford runs their program, what their Vision is how they operate. There's a lot of things behind the scenes in Stanford, right? There is. So who takes over? The truth of the matter is, and I'm hoping Sean has a has a player that he a coach that he wants to throw out there. Because I don't know, folks. Like I don't know. I was we were in the Irish breakdown group chat that we have yesterday, and I was literally like, I don't know who wants that job right now. I mean, there's gonna be somebody, obviously, right? Because there's gonna be a young coach out there who's just gonna be like, Yeah, I want a head coaching job. I want to take an opportunity or, you know, there's going to be opportunity out there for someone for sure. I just think that that is a difficult job to be completely honest, completely transparent. we talk about the things that we have to talk about with Notre Dame a lot, right? Academic requirements that cuts off a little bit of the pool of recruits that you can go after. You know, you're, you're in Palo Alto, you're in California for a lot of people. They, they would love to be in that situation, but then you have, USC and UCLA that have kind of made an uptick and are in the state of California that you have to compete against on the West Coast for some of those West Coast kids, obviously. And then you take into account also that both those teams are now going to the Big Ten next season. So now the Pac-12 is also dwindling, like how strong that conference is or can be, 
right? It's not a great conference, but especially with USC and UCLA leaving, like now you're talking about the conference not being as good. You're talking about the academic requirements. You're talking about competing for recruits for again for against USC, UCLA. Oh man, it's not a great job. So I mean, I'll have to do more research on who I think would be a good person for it, man. But like, I don't know, man. It's just a it's just a, it's just not a great spot right now, man. It's just not a it's 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 a tough job. It's a tough job. Can you win there? For sure. You've seen guys like Jim Harbaugh. You've seen guys like David Shaw early on in his tenure. Can you win at Stanford? Yes, you can. But it's just it's just a really difficult job. You you have to, I mean, you have to be on your P's and Q's and you have to have the the backing to be a really successful program, which I think David Shaw did have early in his career. And then I think that he didn't have quite the backing that he needed late later in his, in his uh, coaching career. So it's a tough job, man. It really is a tough job. All right. Let us now go to Robert. Thank you for the question, by the way. I think I said that Sean Rogers, Ryan and Sean, what's up with Rocco Spindler? Super highly ranked recruits can't break into the lineup. I thought he and Harry would click. All right. Um, look, so, I mean, let, let's paint this full picture, right? Because I think there's a lot of context to the Rocco Spindler thing. I think, one, I would say Rocco was a highly recruited kid that came in, and I think that there's been just a little bit issue with conditioning of the body. And we'll leave it at that, right? I think that there's been some things that he's going to continue to improve on. And I also think there's been a lot of – there's been a lot of – competition inside a guard though right like i don't think it's a, i don't think it's a detriment to his career that he hasn't he didn't win a starting job this year for 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 comparison right because you had josh lug who's played a lot of football in notre dame who's having a pretty good season jared patterson obviously moving out to guard who's a good football player we all know this zeke corral has really turned the corner now he's playing really good football at center during the stretch of the season and then you had andrew christophic as well who was I mean, last year in 2022, or in 2021, excuse me, during the course of the season where you were really struggling at offensive line, I think Andrew Kristoffic did a tremendous job of being a kind of a steady improvement to the guard position. So he came in, and so now you are you have a lot of competition in front of you. So I, I haven't given up on Rocco Spindler. I think next year you're going to have – he's going to have an opportunity, right? I mean, you're going to have guys – because you're losing both Jared Patterson this offseason. You're losing both Josh Lug. Andrew Kristoffic, does he come back? Does he leave? I don't, we'll see, right? But even if he does come back, you still have a guard spot that is wide open. And I know that they're going to look at that position. And even if Harry does have Andrew Kristoffic back, he's going to say, Andrew, you're going to have to prove this, right, buddy? Like we have Billy Strauch behind you. We have Rocco Spindler behind you. So there's going to be opportunity to play, Sean. It's just, I do feel like Rocco needs to, you know, have continue to improve and continue to go in and day out and day out. I do think there's just been a little bit of competition for his services. The more I think about it, honestly, I echo the sentiments that you already put out. But sometimes we expect guys to get it after one year or the second year, and sometimes it takes a little bit more time for particular players. And Rocco might just be one of those guys. On the other hand, it might simply be competition. When Rocco came in, he didn't come into the situation, in my opinion, from a coaching standpoint, that is as advantageous as Charles Jagasaw. You know, Sullivan Absher. I 
they're coming into a better situation, in my opinion, as far as laying a foundation. Yep. So Harry sees Rocco. Harry might have to break him down. Mm-hmm. Like, Ryan, we, we're just not there. We're not in the building, you know. Like, mm-hmm. we were there for the first practice after the pro day, and mm-hmm. we got to see Harry work. And he literally turned the all the first group of offensive linemen over to Jared Patterson and mm-hmm. Chris Watt. And he, he went and worked with Rocco and the second group. So, and in that group, it was just all fundamentals. And you have to ask yourself, what did he see in those guys that they had maybe turned into a bad habit that he had to take the offseason I have to break you down. Yeah. And then you back up. Right, right. Right. So we might have thought certain guys should have just taken that next step when really in order for them to take that next step, maybe under Harry, they mm-hmm. need to take a half step back and then move forward and get better. And that might – we might see that jump this spring for those awesome. guys. You know, it's, it's just the way it is. I think we forget about two things, Sean. One, offensive line and position that needs to develop physically, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot, not a lot of guys who just come in or just are seamless like you're going to play early on, right? Like that doesn't happen very often. Number two is that Rocco Spindler is only a sophomore, right? Yeah. Like he's not done. <laughs> it's not like he's going to be a senior next year. And if you don't, if you get passed by a couple kids, like you're done, right? I mean, yeah. it's going to be a big year for Rocco next year, next this spring coming up and then this fall, no doubt. I mean, he has a chance to win a starting spot potentially. But it's not over with right now, right? Like Rocco still has time. So I know um, Keith Weigland just uh, Wegan, excuse me, said so. Rocco wins a starting job next year. Does he have three years left? So Keith, he has. He came in during the 2021 season, so he missed the COVID year, right? So he had a redshirt year last year. He's a redshirt freshman technically this year. So he'll have three years. Yes. So his next year will be a Richard sophomore. Then he'll have two years after that. So yes, he will have three years. He missed the COVID year. That gives the guy the sixth year potentially, but he does have five. And then Ryan Rush just asked, Sean, I don't know if you want to bang this one out real quick, but is Christopher Tarek projected to play tackle or guard at Notre Dame? His guard. Eric, he stands season as a guard. And I think we talked about it earlier in the show in a pinch. He's good enough to play tackle, right tackle. You know, on a pinch, but the focus would be on guard as soon as he gets on campus. Yep, yep, nice and easy. And Ryan, we, we broke down a little bit more of his background. It's a great first name, by the way, Ryan. Fantastic first name. Uh, but if you want to go back to the beginning, we talked a lot about Christopher Tarek, what we liked about his game, and how he fit with Notre Dame potentially. Sean, we also had from the history expert, sorry, the history expert. Who said, I'm calling it now. Rocco Spindler and Billy Strauss will be our starting guards next season. Your thoughts, Sean? They better bring it. It's going to be, be competition, man. It's going to be a lot of competition. We already, talked about, we already talked about uh, Charles Jagasaw, right, early on, who could potentially come in, be a part of the conversation. Andrew Gustafa could potentially come back for another year. That's another guy, right? I mean, yeah. there's some guys. There's some guys. You know, and, you know, of course, Harry doesn't have a history. He pre- Harry prefers for his guys to sit, mm-hmm. his young guys to sit. So 
I wouldn't even put it out of question that like a Sam Pendleton comes in and you're just like, huh, <laughs> well, like a Robert Hainsey effect, you know, except yeah. inside a guard instead of tackle. Like it wouldn't shock yeah. me. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me. Great questions so far, guys. Really enjoying these. We also have from the history expert, Sean, that said, Caleb Smith and Brandon Hillman are the guys I'd like to have. We need to have, have as many 757 Virginia guys as possible. So you you and you and Brian Driscoll could could gawk over these Virginia boys all you want, man. But talented football players for sure. But even though Caleb Smith is not from Virginia, so I guess you're just talking about Hillman with the seven five seven. But we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. Going to go now to Tyler Hanley. How did the season for A and M and Oklahoma being a disappointment help with Bowen staying in the class, Sean? I, look, I, I mean, I don't. I mean, it definitely didn't help, right? Like, it doesn't have, it doesn't definitely doesn't help their case. But again, I, Tyler, we're going to talk a lot about this, and I'll let Sean give his two cents. But like, if Peyton Bowen signs with Notre Dame on National Signing Day here in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a lot of talking to do about some of the media outlets that have put out some bad information. Like, it's just called bad information on the Peyton Bowen recruitment. And there's some things that. You know, there's some things that are justified. There's some things that aren't. We'll go into this a little bit more in depth. But all I'll say is I I really – it didn't help. It didn't help them that they didn't have a good season. I think Brian, you know, kind of talked about this last night. Does it make an impact, the product on the field? Yes. It has an impact. Does it have as much as an impact as some of us might think? No. Um, Christopher Terry, his visit was the Stanford game. You can't get any worse than that. Like, as far as on-field performance, it might not be worse than that this season for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and yet still they flip them from Wisconsin. So I think you don't look at games, you look at the program, and you look at the guy in charge, right? Um, what Marcus Freeman has established as the head guy for Notre Dame quickly on the recruiting trail is what it is. He's, he's, he's good for the brand on the recruiting trail. Brent Venables, longtime connections, mm-hmm. longtime defense coordinator, like he started at Oklahoma, so he's in a place of comfort. He's been connected to Texas mm-hmm. in that state and other states that he recruited while he was at Oklahoma. So he has strengths. And I think Oklahoma and Notre Dame have dealt with their on-field ups and downs this year. You know, that is, in a sense, challenging. But ultimately, I don't think that will be the difference, you know, for Oklahoma. And A&M is totally different than Oklahoma and Notre Dame. Yes, That's that's a totally different situation. It's not even comparable to first-time head coaches at Notre Dame or Oklahoma trying to get lay the foundation for their programs. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Sean, let, let's bang this other one out from Keith Wagland, who just asked who we prefer at wide receiver, Caden, uh, Caleb Smith or Khalil Barnes. Yeah, I'm a, you, you, you like Barnes for a wide receiver? No, I was just saying the name. Gotcha, gotcha. We can go to the next question. It's, <laughs> I thought you were throwing me a curveball there. I was like, oh, no, really? You like you like you like Khalil that much, huh? No, that was a two-seamer right down the middle. Gotcha. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. 
So now we have for Michael Johnson. Does anyone else find it funny that Notre Dame is ahead of LSU in the 2023 recruiting cycle? Um, Michael, I expected it. If I'm being honest, like I expected it. I, look, Brian Kelly's recovered as far as his staff recruiting. He's been, they've been recruiting better at LSU over the past couple months. There's no doubt because it was not great early on, but I mean, am I shocked that Notre Dame is recruiting better without Brian Kelly? I'm not. I'm not. Like Brian Kelly's a good recruiter when he wants to be, but it's it's the trend that we kind of expected, right, Sean? Like I don't I don't think there's any surprise here. Oh boy. Moving on. <laughs> Thanks for that question, Michael. That was a great question. It was a great question. Great question. Now moving on. The Saints for Irish. How much input does Coach Freeman have with defensive game plan? Would his plan have looked different against USC? So, I mean, for me, look, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't have the insight as far as you know talking to Marcus Freeman before games, right? Like, I don't have that insight. I don't have that intel. All I'll say is this, man: is usually the head coach is very involved with the game plans, right? That's both offensively and defensively. Yeah, there's there's definitely some trust that you're going to put in. You're going to say, you know, Tommy, I, I trust you to do what you do, or Coach Golden, I trust you to do what you do. But did did he have did he have input? I yes, 100, 100, percent and and that is also Marcus Freeman is a defensive guy, right? Like that's ingrained in him. So I think we can assume that he had a, a good amount of input into the game plan. I think we can. I think he does, and you know yeah. it varies, right? If you were to ask me. Do I think Kirby Smart mm-hmm. has a lot of input into his game plan? I would say, oh, absolutely. Uh, defensively, Kirby runs just about everything. Mm-hmm. And then his coaches <laughs> follow suit, coach it, develop it for the week, get guys about all of that. But, yeah, you can definitely tell. And I think initially as a head coach, Marcus Freeman is allowing his coaches to coach. Mm-hmm. And I think the more he gets into – uh, his head coaching tenure, you know, he might become a, l- a little bit more demonstrative. Yep. In certain situations and certain matchups. So I don't think the game plan wasn't impacted, was impacted more by who wasn't playing. On I agree. I agree. And, and I, I, I think the coaches definitely could have adjusted in a lot of ways differently, but I mean, I agree, Sean, ha- not having Cam Hart, not having Tariq Bracey available, that stinks, man. Like, let's call yeah. it what it is. It's not great. Especially against a passing offense like USC. Like, it's it's not yeah. great. But there were other parts of the game that were at, it had nothing to do with those guys, right? There were other decisions made. There yeah. were other player mishaps during that game that had nothing to do with the defensive backs. But it definitely it's not it's not easy to adjust after that. All right, so let's go to. Ray Holcraft said, with the quarterbacks coming in, it seems they will be passing a lot as well. How well does the 2023 class pass block, Sean? So who are how, how do you think the pass blocking is for the 2023 recruits coming in? Much better than I would have thought four or five months ago. Mm-hmm. Now that I really believe in the tackle situation in the 23 class, I would I would rate them a B plus. Yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah. I, I mean, I'm working through. I'm working through it in my mind, Sean. Like, if you ask me who are the best pass blockers out of the group, I would say right now Charles Jagasaw is probably number one, right? Mm-hmm. As far as upside of the position projecting, I would say that after that, I mean, 
it gets so tough, right? Because Sullivan Abstra, like, you just really haven't seen it, right? Like, you just haven't seen it. Could he be a great pass blocker? It's possible. You just don't know right now. He's an unknown as a pass blocker. Yeah. Joe, I think Joe Wadding is a really nice athlete who, as he continues to develop physically, he'll be a good pass blocker. Sam Pendleton has experience as a right tackle for his school. So him moving inside the guard, I think he's going to be a good pass blocker. Christopher Tarek, I think, is technically a pretty good pass blocker. He gets in good spots, has solid foot quickness, and you know gets good depth as a pass blocker. So I would say that it's a good group as well. I think that there is a massive question mark with Sullivan Absher as far as just how quickly he'll be able to mature as a pass blocker. But he has all the tools to be a good pass blocker. It's just we haven't seen it, right? So – Interesting question, though. And he's not like that's, – that's the beauty of Harry Houston. Like, the way he wants his room to be is that there is no rush for guys to feel like they have to play. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a Texas A&M, Texas situation where, you know, you <laughs> NIL forces you to put guys on the field. Early. Right. Yep. Right? No. Like, Harry has been pretty consistent. Like, okay, you're great, but you're going to sit here and learn. <laughs> you're get, you're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to coach you up. Yep. So that when you step on the field, there's no question that you're ready to go. So I would rate all of them. Look, <laughs> pass pro won't be the issue, in my opinion, <laughs> for Notre Dame moving forward. I agree completely. It was definitely the talent level and the length associated that they, I think they'll be a really good pass blocking group when all said and done. I agree completely. Sean, here's an interesting one from Coleman Smith. He's actually got back-to-back questions. He said, Ryan Barnes, the safety of Cam Harkham's back question. The length and athleticism of Watts and Barnes and Bowen as a safety trio would be crazy. So I I don't know if we ever talked about this, Sean, me and you together. What, What are your thoughts about Ryan Barnes and safety? He's definitely physical enough. To play the position. I don't know if I heard correctly. I'm trying to remember because I thought at some point I heard that he was being cross trained. He was at one point. At yeah, it's, point. it's it seemed like a couple of the corners kind of passed him over. A couple of the younger guys talking about Morrison and Mickey, and that he was cross trained between safety and corner. Yeah, yeah. Yep. if that's the case, then you know, full off season, mm-hmm. lock in at the position. Yeah. Uh, I, I would be cool with that. I mean, that just gives you more depth, right? Yep. That just gives you more depth. And then he could be a possible big nickel in certain situations. He's definitely fit, man. You talk about somebody that likes to come up and tackle. Yes. Yep. I was excited about Ryan Barnes, the corner potentially too, Sean. I was. That length and that physicality, I was excited about it. And unfortunately, yeah. he got passed up by – some one pretty good dude in particular does well and he's able to get a spot in the safety group that he could end up being a guy like we'll see right like can we give a guy a little bit of time i guess is is my point right let's give a little bit of time to develop so but i will say sean the athleticism combination of xavier watts ryan barnes and peyton bowen is it's pretty intriguing man it's pretty intriguing at safety all right, so let's move on to our next question. Thank you again, Coleman. Coleman had this question, Sean. He said, what are the chances we land Gerby Lambert, who is at a Catholic Memorial in the state of Massachusetts, and Josiah Thompson at tackle? So, Sean, I, I know I've talked to Gerby a little bit in the past. I think Notre Dame's in a good spot with Gerby Lambert. I don't 100% know when it's going to end, but I think that 
Notre Dame is in a good spot, like right now. So I think they have a good shot at landing Gerby Lambert whenever he ultimately does make his decision. Josiah Thompson, I think that Notre Dame is still wrestling with how many offensive linemen they can take in the 2024 class a little bit. You have Peter Jones that's committed out of Malvern Prep. I think they would definitely take Gerby Lambert, no doubt. Josiah Thompson's a player that I don't think that him and Notre Dame have stayed in close contact consistently, right? So right now, I don't know if they're going to go to three, four. Like, I don't know what the ultimate number of offensive line is. I think it can change, but I don't think that Josiah Thompson is a part of the plan right now as it stands from my conversations. anyway. So. Yeah, I agree with you on Gerby Lambert. Um, his teammate, Bubakar, and the staff has built up a relationship with him. And he's very fond of the school and of Harry Heastan. You know, I've talked to him as well. So um, he kind of shut it down as far as communication during the season. Mm-hmm. And now he's starting to open things back up. So yep. we should be able to get a, a, a nice feel for if and when things are going to end and uh, where he's going to end up going. I think I, I would look for, for a list from him. Like soon, like soon. It's funny because I've little, talked little, to a lot little, of little intel for you there, right? Well, I just, <laughs> oh, a lot of these twenty-four kids. It's so amazing, man. These kids with each class, just everything becomes clearer. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these kids are ready to release top five, top seven lists. Like, like we would you? I had to check. I was like, yo, did he reclassify? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, he's making a decision, but these 24 kids, they're not waiting until the summer. Like, no, they're not. I'm ready to rock and roll now. I know where I want to go. I know the coaching, the program I like. And it's just different. The clock seems like it's speeding up with each class. Yep, agree completely, man. It's it's wild. I know I saw the top nine from uh, or top seven, whatever it was from Woodyard last night. I'm yeah. like, all right, <laughs> I didn't know right. that was coming, but I cool. right. um, yeah, yeah, it would be interesting to see though. I know uh, Nick P.S. Sean, if Keon Keeley doesn't sign anywhere on early signing day, is that a good or a bad thing for Notre Dame? I don't think it means anything. I don't, I don't Nick. think it means anything <laughs> as far as Notre Dame. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah. Like, yeah, look, is there a Slim chance that he picks up the phone and calls Marcus Freeman and says, Coach, I really want to be a part of the 23 class. I guess he could wake up and God would have smiled on him that particular morning. Mm-hmm. And he could do that, but that's that's the path. Yep. It would be it literally would be him having a moment. You know, and can it happen? Sure. If it happens, it happens. But I I don't foresee it going that way. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, ultimately, I, I just don't think the Notre Dame Keon thing's a thing. Like, I just don't. I would love it. I would love it if he had a change of heart and he decided to come back. But I just I just don't think it's going to happen. So that's just it's where we are with that, man. That's where we are. So. Mm-hmm. 
I know we had this one from Sean Rogers said tight end from Stanford to Notre Dame transfer portal. I believe he was talking about Walker Lyons, Sean from Folsom High School. Yeah. That had just um he just decommitted he from Stanford. Yeah, yeah. Just decommitted. So he's not a it's not a transfer portal thing though, Sean. He's an incoming 2023 recruit. So it's just he's gonna go to a different school now, most likely, right? So that's where we are with that. I don't think Notre Dame's gonna bark down that tree. I don't. Um would I at least entertain it? I think I would have a conversation with the staff. Because I've talked a little bit about, you know, maybe Cooper Flanagan could be the Viper in this class, like all that type of stuff. So I would have a conversation about it. Obviously, Walker Lyons is a high academic kid who is going to go to a very good academic institution. He's a teammate of Rico Flores in the 2023 class as well. So I would have the conversation. But ultimately, I don't think Notre Dame is going to go that route. I don't. But Walker And Walker Lyons is also coming off an injury. So, yeah, but he's a um, – he's a – He's a good football player, though. I like Walker. If he if he's able to come back from his injury, I think that he's going to be a really good football player for someone. Yeah, it's sad that he's leaving because I you know I just really like Stanford does a good job with their tight end. They do, they do. And I mean Benjamin Yorisek this year, Sean, who's a good football player. But they've had, I mean, think of the names, man: Zach Ertz, Levine Toilolo, Caden yeah. Smith, Colby yeah. Parkinson. They've done really well at tight end, man. They yeah. really have. All right. Um, I think Kobe Fleener too. I don't know how I forgot about oh, Fleener. Was, about yeah, he was he was the second most productive outside of Zach Ertz, so I should have remembered yeah. that one. But yeah. And Nick said I made a Stanford reference with the tree. I wasn't I wasn't dogging the tree, man. It wasn't that was intentional. It wasn't intentional. <laughs> Sean, I want your thought, thoughts on this one. Jet Conley asked, any shot we get Cade McNamara? Do you really want my thoughts? <laughs> I would love your thoughts, man. Can we say this, Sean? Will Notre Dame go after Kate McNamara? I have no idea. I really don't know. All I'll say is it would be a hard pass for me. Now you can go, Sean. It would be an even harder pass for me. <laughs> you kidding me? Kate McNamara, man? Look, Jim Harbaugh, you made the right decision, my man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I'm not going to dog on Kate McNamara too much. All I'll say is, is he a better player than Drew Pine? I think that you could maybe say yes, and I might have a conversation with you. That's fine. But I don't think he's enough of a better player than Drew Pine for me to really get excited about, right? Like, he's a lot of what you have right now, which Notre Dame needs a little difference right now at the quarterback position. You know what I mean? They need Tyler Buckner to come back healthy on top of another talented player in the portal, on top of Kenny Minchie and C.J. Carr coming in over the next two years. They need different, man. I don't need the same, right? Like, I don't, I don't need the same. I need different. So just my two cents. We have Bobby S. Sean that asked, "Do guys, do you guys, do we think that Cam Hart, Brandon Joseph, Justin Adam Alola, Maris Loyfeld, J.D. Bertrand, and Jack Kaiser will come back next year?" So let's work through this one on one, Sean. Just give your immediate impulse. Again, this there is no intel here. These are not mm-hmm. things that we've heard. I promise you. I don't know if any of these guys are coming back for sure. I really don't. So, Sean, Cam Hart, yes or no? You think there's a chance he comes back? I think so. Let me tell you why. Yeah. Up and down season, but a season full of injury. Mm-hmm. And I think Cam Hart knows his performance was impacted by the nagging injuries. But also, I think there's something. Cam Hart was the one talking trash over the summer <laughs> about USC yeah. leading that charge. And I think that's going to sit on his heart the offseason, that it was tough that he couldn't be in the battle to back up his words. I think that coupled with the fact that he understands that injuries are what caused his uh, play to be up and down, Mm -hmm. Cam Hart comes back. 
I really do. I think I think he wants to play in that USC game next year. I agree with that 100%, Sean. I'll also say this. From the NFL perspective for Cam Hart, I've heard some feedback that he is a fringe draftable player right now because of the up-and-down play and the injuries. So I think coming back for another year and showing that he could stay healthy gives himself a much better chance from a personal perspective, right? So, yes, I think that there is a possibility that Cam Hart comes back. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I have a feeling. And I would be very interested Mm -hmm. because – Oh, there was a lot put on Cam Hart as he transitioned. Like literally the summer he was transitioning, there Brian Driscoll wrote a story of how important it was that Cam Hart became the dude. Yes. And he was transitioning from wide receiver. Like this was literally his first offseason training at cornerback. And it was important that he played well immediately. And he met that challenge. Cam Hart comes back next year. He's not the dude. I think he plays a little bit free, freer, with a little less pressure. Yes. You, know, you got the other dude on the other side. That's that's the dude. You can't avoid Cam Hart next year if you come back. You can't no. avoid him, right? No. So yeah. now, I think he steps up the challenge, and it goes back to him staying healthy, like you said. Yes. Yep. That's the main thing for Cam Hart, man, is he's a very talented player. It was up and down this year, I think, a lot because he was fighting through those injuries. If he's able to stay healthy next year, I think that is best for him. It's also best for the program if he's able to maintain that. Brandon Joseph, Sean, this one I have a tough time putting something on, man. I I think Brandon Joseph does not come back, but he. I, this one's a 50-50 coin flip for me. Like I wouldn't be surprised either way, personally. No, this might be one of those uh... – Mm, I think it's best that we part ways situations. Yeah, it's, it's been a disappointment, man, because we've seen a couple games, Syracuse, Ohio State, where he looked like Brandon Joseph, right? Man. And then we've seen other games where he did not look very interested in playing at football. all. Yeah. At all. It's unfortunate because I really do like Brandon Joseph as a talent. It's just, yeah, yeah. Justin Adam Alola, Sean. That's an interesting one. Again, I think that's oh, one yeah. that can. I think that one could go either way, though, because I mean, does he want to go chase the NFL dreams with his brother? Because Jason's obviously not going to be coming back. Does he want to be the guy for a year? Like, eh, it's quite. It's a question. I'm not sure about Jay, Justin, to be honest. The question would be: Do you think he can get better? Does he think he can get better? Yeah, he could be better. Yeah, because I think I think he would come back if he if he doesn't think he can get better, then he should go. But if he thinks yeah. he can come back, be a leader, mm-hmm. I think if he meets with the staff, I think the staff is going to let him know, like, dude, you're one of the unquestioned leaders. Yeah. Of this oh, team. no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So not just defensively, like the team. Mm-hmm. So you know we want you back without question. So, And, and if – because I know he has – like the NFL is aware of Justin Adam Alola, right? Like he's a, he's a talented player. But I do think that it would be really good for him because right now he's a late day three, maybe you know, maybe sneaks into the back end of the of the draft, or more more likely he's a priority free agent, which is fine. He, I mean, players make that make that transition and find roster spots every year. But I do think having a year for Justin to be the guy could be big for him. 
It could be. So I think it might be beneficial to come back, but I honestly don't have a pulse on that one. It could go either way in my opinion. Barry, look, from the time that he joined um, the Notre Dame program, I am extremely, Mm -hmm. extremely proud of what he's he's become to this point as a player. Ah, man. He seems like a great dude as well, man. Seems like the the, the Adam Malola twins. I know they've been, yeah, and I know like Jason's been a little banged up this year, and it probably has been the season he wanted. But what a great family, man. What a great group of dudes. They really are. The Adam Malolas are awesome people. Their dad's awesome. They have a great family. They really do. So I hope the best for them. I hope Justin does come back and has a great season extra. I really do. Let's go to Marist Loyfowl, Sean. I say he comes back. Yeah. I'm going to say yes to that one for Marist. Yeah, they believe in Marist. They do. They do. They believe in Marist, and they managed Marist a lot this offseason. Mm-hmm. Just to get him back to make sure that he was going to be healthy. You know, you could use the word baby in a sense, but Marist didn't get a lot of reps mm-hmm. in fall camp. He, no. he just he just didn't. Yep. He didn't. Marist, if I told you that this it's almost like the Bears, right? Like this, we don't even care. This year is all about Justin Fields mm-hmm. and his development. Like we don't. Oh no, man! It's no, no. You're wrong there, Sean. You're wrong there. It's about uh, it's about uh, who just started for them. The former oh, Jack Sanborn. No, oh wait, no. Who just who just started for the Bears? A quarterback. Oh Listen. yeah. Um, I oh, Tra- Trevor Simeon, right? Was it Trevor well, Simeon? Simeon got hurt. <laughs> oh, did Simeon he? Simeon got hurt. He <laughs> got started yesterday. I forget his name. <laughs> That's funny. I, I forget his name, but Trevor gotcha. Simeon got hurt in warmups. Nice of That's all good. things, <laughs> and it started the third stringer. But no, this season really, one could say, was all about getting Maris healthy and making sure he can like play a full season. Mm-hmm. Like, and whatever he gives you in the midst of that makes him better. I think. Either Maris pops next year or he's going to get passed up. Yep. I agree. I agree. Next year is next year. It's now or never for Maris Loyfoud, man. It is. It's now or never. JD JD Bertrand, Sean, I think he comes back again. He's another guy that has like fringe draftable grades, like very low ranked type of player right now. I think he comes back. I do. I think JD comes back. But if you bring JD, if you bring any of these linebackers back, in my opinion, they all need to understand that they need to come out and they need to compete, right? Like they need that's, to compete. That's that's my issue. Like yeah. I don't. If it's going to be JB is the coach of the defense and he knows mm-hmm. that, nah. If it's going to be a competition, then yeah, come back. But if he's just going to be considered the leader of the defense and really yeah. not pushed. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm rocking with that. I get that, but I, I do think, I do think that Jack Kaiser's in kind of the same boat, though, Sean. Like, I think that they would have him back if he was okay with competing. I do, I do think that. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, Jack's been pretty solid for most of the year. I mean, he was, he was uneven early on, but like, he's, he's had a couple of solid games. Like, you know, he's fine, man. He's fine. Well, once again, I think. No, we have to sit and watch. There's so many things that can come. Hey, coaches might not be here. That's true. A lot of things that happen over the next month, a month and a half, that can impact everything we're talking about, you know, 
whether a coach is here or not could impact whether or not one of these guys decides to come back. So, yeah. Sean, I, I put on Twitter earlier, man, I truly believe this. I think that every offseason in college football is wild. I think that this is going to be the wildest one we've seen in some in some time, man. I think there's, there's a lot of coaching hires, a lot of coaching firings. There's a lot of transfer portal stuff already, mm-hmm. like recruiting yeah. stuff. Like This is going to be a wild offseason, man. I really I think that. So, oof. yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to follow. We had a question from Coleman Smith. Ryan, what's your opinion on Schuler's teammate Toure in 2024? So, Sean, cool note on Toure. His his older brother is actually Mohamed Toure that plays at Rutgers. Uh, my thought on him, Coleman, excuse me, right now, Adon is a more physical and a more instinctual player than Toure. But Toure has much more athletic upside, in my opinion. That kid's got some range. That's a true free safety type on the next level, in my opinion. I think Notre Dame is high, is pretty high on him. I think that he also likes Notre Dame. But I don't think he's – Sean mentioned earlier, there's some kids that just kind of want to, seem to want to get it over with, you know, like there's not much waiting. I don't think he's one of those. I think he's a pretty well-calculated kid that's going to take his time. But I think Notre Dame's in a good spot with him right now. I do. And he's a talented player, Coleman. He is. If anybody hasn't seen film on him – He's a junior safety that plays next to Adon Shoulder, and he's a very talented player. They even threw him an offense this year out of necessity, and good player. Comes from a good family as well. All right, so we're going to Matthew Lowe. Any 2024 lineman on an offer watch? 23 five-man class is a lot. Curious about 24. Is it weak? So, Matthew, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Mentioned Gerby Lambert, I think, is a guy that Notre Dame's in a good spot with. They have Peter Jones. I just don't know if that class is going to get pushed more to, like, three, four. I don't know what the final number is going to be. Of the guys that are on the board right now, though, there's only two other guys that have been offered, Sean. One's Josiah Thompson that we talked about. I don't think there's mutual interest there right now. And then the other one is Kyle Altooner, who's a really talented player out of the state of Maryland. He's a pure interior guy, though, right? Like He's going to play guard. He's going to play center. I like him, but he's also a guy that I just don't think that there's a push for right now. So I don't think if they go to three or four, I don't think there are guys on the board right now that they want outside of Gerby Lambert. Like that's kind of my pulse on it. So, yeah. And, you know, with the class that they're going to bring in at 23 from a number standpoint, it, it, it impacts the numbers in the 24 class. So the 24 class, which is already great up top. Might uh, might end up being the class that's less numbers, mm-hmm. but more higher stars. Right. You yep. know what I'm saying. So. Yep. M- more about um quantity over uh quality over quantity next year. Yes. I think is a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yep. It might be a smaller class, but I expect Notre Dame to go after some really big fish Absolutely. for sure. For sure. So TJ Fallon asked Ryan Sean, how many returning starters do you think come back to Notre Dame next year? Right now it looks like 15. Hmm. Well, you have four along the offensive line, right? Three. Three along three. the offensive line. Yeah. Three, three. along yep. the offensive line. Yep. Uh, all of your running backs, if you consider all of them starters. <laughs> right, right. Uh the man. Most of the wide receivers, I guess there's one wide receiver that may be in question. I, I mean, I mean, Jaden Thomas has started during this year, right? Deion Colsey, yeah. I think, just started last game. So are we counting the are we counting Deion Colsey as a starter? I mean I you know let me tell you why I do. Because okay. I know how important and the I know the plans they had for him offensively. 
to whereas if he wasn't a one, he was a one A. Mm-hmm. They wanted to really get to him in the red zone. Yeah. And I, I literally saw Marcus Freeman at the spring game, like tell him like, yo, we're going to need you. Like they had plans for him. And so his injury along with Avery, look, those injuries to the wide receiver room going into the beginning of the season had to make it uneasy for Tommy Reese as an offensive coordinator and for those first-time starters at quarterback. But you mm-hmm. can – look, man, you can tell the comfort level Drew had as soon as Deion Cozy came back and got healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't have to wait for the ball. <laughs> it was coming his way. Like, you can tell there's a comfort level that Drew Pine has with Deion Cozy. And I feel so, so I, I feel so good for Dion too, man, because coming into the year, the injuries mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. And I feel like Notre Dame fans have kind of written him off, and he's played well over the past few games. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I actually put that question to Chris Fink today when I talked to him. Like, yo, is it a matter of when you have a guy like Drew Pine that might struggle seeing some things at times mm-hmm. to have bigger targets? Is that more of an advantage? And yeah. you know. Chris and uh, Chris and Malik pretty much were like, "Oh heck yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah." It's, it's easier to see the bigger body, absolutely. So it's more inviting too, man. Like, I mean, there's some where it's just like we saw we saw it with Dion, right? It's like throw mm-hmm. the ball up, man, let him go yeah. get it. It's like, yeah. yeah, we saw it twice in that football game. It's like yep. here's a catch radius, man. Let him get a shot. So yeah, it's. I'm happy though to see the emergence of Deion Cole's down the stretch. If Tobias can get back healthy, you have Deion next year. Jane Thomas did some good stuff this year. Yep. Lorenzo Styles hopefully kind of takes a, a step forward. You have the 2023 class that's coming in. A lot of good receivers that are going to be on the on the team next year, which is going to yeah. be exciting. We had this Sean that I just need the response real quick because I'm angry. The original Clyde the Glide said, "Why is nobody talking about USC not using the traditional punter versus Notre Dame, sir?" You don't listen to our podcast enough. I literally mentioned that during the game. <laughs> yeah, we did talk about it. And we talked about it in the post-game show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. We talked about it. Come on, man. Come on. Look, man, I don't have many wins in this space. When I have a win, Sean, I need to claim it, sir. You know what I mean? Like, just give me the win. Give me it. <laughs> just kidding, by the way, Clyde. Just kidding. Irish Blooded Mailbag. What do you think about a potential bowl opponent of Mississippi State or South Carolina. So, Sean, it's looking like the Gator Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. So, a couple of teams that we went through out there. LSU is actually still in the mix if they lose to Georgia, right? So, Mississippi State's a team that we're throwing out there. South Carolina. Either one of those teams interests you, I guess, is the question. Both, actually, for different reasons. Okay. Uh, I would love to see this Notre Dame secondary against what some might call one of the hottest quarterbacks in the nation. And Spencer Rattler. I thought you were talking about Will Rogers. I'm like, yuck. Spencer Rattlers has really turned his season around as of late. So, yeah, I would love that challenge. But I don't know if people have had an opportunity to watch. Mississippi State has some dudes on the interior of that defensive line that I oh, would yeah. love to see Notre Dame go up against. Every- I would love. Ooh, they got Every- some dudes. 
Yeah, man. Cameron Young, defensive tackle, was going to the Senior Bowl for Mississippi yeah. State, to your point. Yeah. I would rather play South Carolina because I hate Mike Leach's offense. <laughs> I hate that, man. That's like the triple option, Sean. Like, you need some time to prepare for that stupid air race that he runs, man. Roger has been so up and down that he yeah. can win like two interceptions against Notre Dame. That's fair, man. But you know what, though? I would rather play South Carolina because they're hot right now, right? They yes. have beaten Tennessee and Clemson back-to-back weeks. I would yeah. rather see them play a yeah. talented team like that, man. Yeah. I really and it's an SEC team. So to yes. say we smack the SEC team would mm-hmm. be a good thing. Yeah. Yep. We had another portal question, Sean. Chris B. And I said I'm only answering portal questions about guys that are actually in the portal already, so I'm entertaining this one. So I got a portal recruiting question. Jeff Sims is is a quarterback I would like for us a lot. So, Chris, I've talked about this a ton, man. I really like Jeff Sims as a talent. I really do. I think he's extremely talented. I question if he would be used – I question if he would mesh with Tommy Reese here and just the offensive staff in general. I question it. I've also heard some – some things behind the scenes. So, like, I, I ultimately don't think it's going to happen. Would I like to see it? I, Yeah, I would. I like Jeff Sims, man. I do. But I, I don't think the fit makes sense, though. I don't. I don't think it makes sense. I don't think it's going to happen. You like Jeff Sims, Sean? I don't know if you like Jeff Sims. I think Notre Dame is a situation depending upon the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. and what he's going to ask the guy to do. See, yeah. I don't think Jeff Sims, like, equates to, like, Jack Cohn. I think – I think the Notre Dame situation is a situation where a guy has struggled mm-hmm. at his previous spot and can come and flourish at Notre Dame, i.e. Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn is a totally different quarterback than Jeff Sims. Yes. So I feel comfortable if another Jack Cohn was coming over, I totally feel comfortable with Tommy mm-hmm. with that quarterback as a combination. Yep. With Jeff Sims and what he needs mm-hmm. in order to make him better, I, I don't know. I would feel more comfortable if it was another guy yep. because of the skill set and, and how Jeff Sims needs to be used. I'll say this, though. I would. I hope Jeff Sims finds a good fit and he's successful because I, I think he's a really talented football Oh, I, I got a fit for him. I got a fit exactly. for him. Who's that? I want to hear Down it. Champagne. I got a heck of a fit for him. <laughs> I got one. Eh, yeah. I don't hate that, man. I don't hate that. I don't hate no, that. No, none at all. We're going to run the ball and we're going to protect you. You can guarantee that. I love it. I love it. You're going to run him too, man, because he's a dynamic yeah, athlete. Of course. Dynamic athlete. Of course. Well, I, I heard um, – heard, uh, oh, what's the quarterback's name? I always forget Illinois' quarterback's name, uh, Syracuse. You should. Kid. You should forget. You what's should his name? Forget. What's his name? Oh, no. Tell me. Tell me what's his name. Tommy what's his name? DeVito, man. Tommy DeVito. I heard he's coming back for a seventh year, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me, man? Oh, that's so funny, man. So funny. We had uh, Andrew Radford that asked, is, t- is TB12, Tyler Buckner, able to play in the bowl game? I, I don't think he – is he able to? I think he – if you if they needed him to, I think he would be able to. But I ultimately just don't. I, I think it's bigger that they get him back for practices, Sean, heading into the offseason. I'm being honest. I would do. I would. I man, you know, on a fourth and one, use him that way. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. I would yeah. throw him in there just to give the team something to think about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I absolutely would. Yeah, but that's about the extent of it. Yeah, it I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to bring him back too quick, man, and force no. him to do too much. I think that would be a detriment to him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I think um, I, I'm going to start a um, I'm going to start a fund. By the way, Sean, to keep Tommy DeVito's eligibility open forever at Illinois. All right, you can have him every single year. Every single. No, year. thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Oh, that's funny. Right, trying to give me high blood pressure, man. No, this... I'm not, man. No, I'm not. Melton fan 15 said mailbag posted on IB message board, whether and asked, I uh, figured I'd ask here. Are you guys interested in doing a scouting one one basically how you rate a recruits? I'm very interested in that, Sean. I've actually, um, cool. f- from an NFL draft perspective, I actually have done multiple scouting courses in the past, including one with Brian Baldinger. So I would love to do a scouting course for high school side of things. So yeah. I love Baldy. Baldy's. Oh, he's the best. So I I have Baldy's phone number, man, and I randomly text him sometimes, and he is a trip, man. (laughs) He's a trip. He used to come on. He used to come on with us on the ESPN shows a lot. Yeah. Baldy's the best, man. He is so real, man. Offensive linemen are always – Always the best, man. They are. They are. You know why, though? Because Baldy is so real, man. He'll just tell you exactly what he's thinking. Like, there's no sugarcoating anything with Brian Baldinger, man. He's the best. Trevor Maddich was always the best. Yeah. Offensive linemen are just really good at knowing the game. Yes. Like, as much as you want to talk about everything else, there's so much X's and O's and intricacies yep. of the game right there at the line of scrimmage. And that's why that's why I don't – Jeff Saturday being able to change the temperature of that locker room doesn't shock me. Doesn't shock me at all. Yeah. You know, because the closer they say the close, <laughs> you know more about the game the closer you are to the ball. That's what they say. No doubt. I, it's 100%, man. It's 100%. And uh, I'll say this too: they're very, usually offensive linemen are very authentic, and they're usually well spoken because there's like this common misconception I think with offensive linemen that they're just like these dumb people that are just like meandering around. I'm like, no, offensive linemen are usually very smart dudes, man. They're usually very, very smart. So, yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's so funny. Christopher Catway said, "Thank you, Sean. We are the best." I guess Christopher was a former offensive lineman, so it's funny. <laughs> uh, all right, we had Matt McCarthy who said, what are your thoughts on these two 2024 prospects out of Missouri? Jeremiah McClellan, of course, is out of Christian Brothers and Andrew Sprague. I think McClellan is currently underrated and Sprague could be a monster if he adds weight. So, Sean, I'll start with Sprague because I don't know if you've seen him. And then I'll circle back to McClellan because I know you have definitely seen Jeremiah McClellan plays, obviously, with Jeremiah Love. Yeah. Sprague I just watched recently, Sean. He is 6'8", listed at about 260, 270. He's a very thin player right now. Think he's a pretty good athlete for his size. I just think, like you said, Matt, he needs to add a ton more weights, and that needs to be kind of projected forward. But as a pass walker, I can get down, and he has pretty good. He has pretty good bend in the run game. Surprisingly, sometimes with the six eight guys, I worry about you know does he have hit flexibility to get down and really gain leverage early on in reps. I think Sprague's a pretty flexible athlete, so I like a lot about him. I think he's a developmental guy, but like there's definitely traits to work on. Uh, Sean, Jeremiah McClellan, Christian Brother uses him a lot of different ways. Wide receiver, Wildcat quarterback. He's a really talented athlete as well. I haven't seen Sprague yet. I look forward to seeing this film. But Jeremiah McClellan is, for me, I want Ryan Wingo, but I want him too. That's, that's enough said. Like, I want him too. And I'm ready to see him after Jeremiah leaves. He, I'm like – He's one of the kids I'm 
so ready to see his senior film. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't wait to see him in the senior year. Can't wait. No doubt. No doubt. He's a dynamic athlete, man. It's a lot of fun. I'll bang out this one from TJ Fallon real quick. Said, Ryan, how many players get drafted from Notre Dame in the 2023 draft? So obviously this is dependent on a couple guys going pro or not going pro. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume some of the guys that are leaning one way or the other, I'm just going to, in this hypothetical, say, because I already talked about Cam Hart, right, Sean? I think he may come back. We'll see what happens. But if he leaves, he's getting drafted. Like that height, weight, speed, he's getting drafted. Brandon Joseph will get drafted if he leaves. Defensive line-wise, I think Jason Adam Malola gets drafted. Isaiah Foskey obviously gets drafted. The linebackers, I think they all go back. Riley Mills, I think, goes back. So I think four right now. The question I have is Tariq Bracey. Medicals are going to be big for him. If medicals check out, I think Bracey might get drafted. So that's five. Offensive-wise, I don't think Luck gets drafted. Jared Patterson gets drafted for sure. And then that's it. Oh, Michael Mayer. I always forget about Michael Mayer. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. Michael Mayer is going to be the first one off the board. I always forget about him. So no wide receivers that are draft eligible. I no, actually, yeah. I actually think mm-hmm. he might be a free agent that's picked up after the draft. Yeah. If he wants to play, I think Braden Lindsay finds himself on a roster. He will definitely get brought in. There's no doubt. It's just some teams are going to question – the injury backgrounds and the production stuff, right? Like that's going to be, but that's does he have a chance, Sean, like as a priority for agent to stick on a roster? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. He's athletic, yeah. man. If you're, if you're watching the film this year, you're like, he's open. The film, yeah. You're going to see him open. Yep. A lot. Yep. I mean, definitely gonna... like Josh Lug will be brought into a camp just because of yeah. his size and mm-hmm. multi-year starter at Notre Dame. Brain Lindsay will get brought into camp. If Avery Davis is healthy, he'll get brought into a camp too. It's just, yeah. he's got a lot of health stuff. But I think seven is the number that I'm working with. That's dependent, though, if Cam Hart goes pro or does go pro and if Brandon Joseph goes pro or doesn't. So. And if, yo, I remember saying when Tariq Bracey initially mm-hmm. dealt with that hamstring, like, dude, don't bring him back. Like, let, yeah. him, let him sit another week or so. And he came back as quick as he did, and now he's dealing with it again. So yep. uh, hopefully the time off before the bowl game, he'll be ready to go and everything. And we haven't talked about this, Sean, but Brayden Lindsay's another kid that technically has another year if he wants it. So we'll see. I don't know. Don't know anything about that, but interesting to think about. We had Berkshire York Yank who just asked, did Kevin Austin stick anywhere? I believe he's on the practice squad for the Jaguars, I believe. Don't don't quote me on that, but I believe so. Two questions left. Sean Murphy said, have you watched Carson Hobbs Jr. highlights yet? I actually did this morning. Sean, because it just came out. I mean, he just posted it a couple, a few hours ago. He's physical. He's a press man corner, man. I I he's can get that off that. He's confident. He's very confident. He said he's the best corner and best cover man in the country. Talented. He's confident. And the fact that Mike Mickens has, it was banging on the table for him. I don't know if he literally banged on the table, but Mike Mickens, even after his commitment, Mike Mickens, you know, you you trust in his evaluation. Yes. That's, that's what you trust. Like, okay, this kid is only a three-star, but he was all wasn't he was already committed, right? I want to make sure he was committed. He was when committed he, to South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah, he was committed to South Carolina. Yes. Yep. Yes. He was committed already. So mm-hmm. these kids, like I said, they they're ready to end the process and play and lock in. And he's letting you know. Hey, man, oh, man. 
Benjamin, let's see. Morrison would be a junior when he gets to campus? Yes. Yep. A lot, a lot of defensive backs coming over the next couple of cycles, Sean. It's going to be exciting. Corners, man, are going to be good for the foreseeable future. They sure are. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, I just wrote an article about, about Christian Gray. Could Christian Gray do a similar thing to what Benjamin Morrison did this year? I mean, eh, you never know, man. I mean, I have to be dependent on whether Cam Hart comes back or not, right? But it is – Christian Gray is ready to play, man. He's ready to play, I think. So, yeah. We just had someone pop in, Sean. This would just made me laugh. Arizona, uh, some D-Rock Irish who just said, Arizona State quarterback Paul Tyson enters the portal. I had no idea Paul Tyson was still playing college football. That's wild. He was <laughs> at Alabama originally. I think he's Bear Bryant's grandson or something, right? Wasn't that Paul Tyson? Yeah, interesting. Last one, Sean. A completely different one than we've been asked today. Paul asked. Thank you, Paul, for the question. Ryan and Sean, it's almost December. When you drink beer this month, will it be yellow, brown, or black? Sean, I don't think you're a beer drinker, right? I don't ginger. Oh, you are? Okay. 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 Ginger. Ginger, ginger ale. That counts, right? Ginger ale? Sure, man. We'll, we'll count it. We'll count it for the same. <laughs> for me, Paul, I'm actually more of a whiskey guy comparative to beer. Um, I usually go more of the whiskey route, but beer, I mean, I just went out yesterday for a couple and I, I'm, I'm usually more of a lighter beer, like not light beer, like not Miller light, but like a lighter beer. So mm-hmm. I'll say yellow to Brown. I don't usually mess with the blacks. Like I'm not a Guinness guy or anything like that. So I'm usually a lighter beer guy, but appreciate now, the question. Yeah. I am very intrigued by, mm-hmm. you know, one of my friends actually had a beer here mm-hmm. in the Chicago area and it was an IPA. So spending time with him and going to his uh, events, I started to find out about beer. Like, oh, man, that's kind of cool. Like, they started doing flavored beers. And I'm like, oh, man, all right. But at the Blue and Gold game, Malik had uh, an event with Mm -hmm. his uh, whiskey. Yeah. And we were joined by Eric Hansen, who is a longtime Notre Dame beat guy. Yep. And a couple of his friends. And they tried out the whiskey. And they sat there literally for an hour and a half talking about whiskey. I was like, well, this, the fact that you can sit here and talk about whiskey for an hour and a half to me is absolutely incredible from like the aging and the taste and the texture and all of that stuff and the sweetness. And I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Like whiskey is really this deep, huh? Yep. I thought it was, I mean, so like when people talk whiskey, I'm like, yo, I'm intrigued by the conversation because I think it's a pretty interesting, uh, I think it's pretty interesting that I, people have certain tastes. Yeah. Or it's the same thing or the same genre, but like how, you know, one's preference within mm-hmm. that genre can yeah. differ from the next person. I think, what's your favorite? Give me your top three. What's your top three whiskey go-tos? See, man, I'm not a whiskey snob. I usually just go Jameson. I'm okay. just like a- like, Jameson I'll, I'll, is like an East Coast thing too. Jameson it is, it rules is. the East Coast. If I'm going, if I'm going to a bar and I don't want beer and I just want a, a whiskey, I might like if I'm if I'm just like chilling, like I'm not like you know drinking, yeah. I might just go like a give me a whiskey sour, whiskey ginger ale, like yeah. something mixed. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm not I'm yeah. not like a I'm not like a hard whiskey dude, man. I'm really not. It's like you know I'm I'm good with whiskey. Like whiskey is my preference, but I'm not like a whiskey snob. Because I know the people that you're talking about, Sean. I also know the Scotch people that you're talking about, man. People right. get like, people get 
oh, obsessed over scotches. I've never gotten obsessed over scotches, but you know, whatever, whatever. But fun conversations and this mailbag today, folks. Really appreciate all the questions. Appreciate all the interactions. This I love doing this show each and every week because we get so many great questions and it's so much, so much fun just to see the interactions. So before you leave, you can hit that like button, subscribe button, notification bell. Ratings, all that good stuff. Five star, nothing less than five star, folks. I'm tired of getting these three star ratings. That you know, I don't like them. All right, give me five stars, please. I think you guys like us, right? So, um, but we really do appreciate all the interaction. If you want to go to boards.irishbreakdown.com, continue recruiting intel over the next few weeks until signing day. It's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to be able to talk about tonight, six o'clock. IB Nation Sports Talk. I also believe at eight o'clock tonight, uh, Brian and Vince will be back for the upon further review from the game on Saturday. So. Thank you all so much. This is the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour. From Sean, I am Ryan. Thank you all for following along, and we will catch you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.